When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Oh, hello, my darlings. Sorry I was lost in my own world while dusting my crystals. You know, you stopped by at the most perfect time. I was just humming an ancient Egyptian chant that's been stuck in my head for centuries now. These things tend to happen when you've been around for as long as I have. I have been recently reminiscing about some ancient civilizations I used to know and had a great idea for one of our lessons. We have been learning so much about all these rotten people and things, but I wanted to get down to the root of all evil. Today we will call upon our mirror and travel to the earliest known civilizations and discover the dark gods that they worshipped. Evil comes from somewhere. And I believe there are some lessons waiting for us at the birth of it. I wanted to take a second to thank everyone who has been leaving me reviews. I see everything in my magic mirror, and it truly makes my day when I see your feedback. Midnight Child from Australia. Thank you so much for your review on Apple Podcast. I knew when I saw your name that we were sisters in mystery. Blessed be to you, darling. This is your not-so-evil queen, Joshua Waters, and welcome to Rotten to the Core, where we delve into the deepest crevices of the past to pull some lessons from the rot. Be not afraid, dearies. We will go together and attempt to better ourselves in our own power. Life is nothing but another lesson, so let's see what we can learn from some of the first people who worshipped darkness. Magic mirror on the wall, hear our cry and hear our call. Show us some of the most rotten ones in history and make them no longer a mystery. Our lesson today starts in ancient Mesopotamia, one of the earliest known civilizations. 
We have gone back around 4,000 years, and besides all the body odor and no deodorant, I found it quite lovely. Now, life here wasn't much different from ours today, believe it or not. But the only Amazon around is a jungle on the other side of the world. No delivery here. The people of ancient Mesopotamia grew their own food, had livestock and other domesticated animals, lived in villages, and had a wide array of employment from building, digging, pottery, carpentry, and weaving. Do you know what the world's oldest profession is? I'll give you a hint. They usually sell it on a corner, and if you get it unwrapped, you might get a rash. That's right, prostitution. In ancient Mesopotamia, the meaning of life was for one to live in concert with the gods. Humans were created as co-laborers with their gods to hold off the forces of chaos and to keep the community running smoothly. I was intrigued by the idea of where did darkness come from? And I believe it could stem from the first dark gods that were worshipped at this time. The first one is a close confidant of mine for many a century. Her name is Oreshkigal, eventually, possibly, the inspiration for Hecate in Greek mythology. She is known as the Queen of the Great Earth and was the ruler of the Land of the Dead. Not a bad job either. I did it myself for a time. Great benefits, but long hours, and the demons will steal your lunch. (laughs) She was only one of a multitude of gods that served in the underworld. Her husband, Nergal, the god of war, Niti, the gatekeeper of hell, a child-devouring demon, Lamashtu, and several others. I think that's one of my favorite words to say. Now, the Mesopotamians didn't believe in an afterlife per se. They believe when you died that you continued to exist in the underworld, but as a shadow of life. You could still get thirsty and hungry, but the only thing to drink was dust. Have you heard of pouring one out after someone dies? Well, that started in Mesopotamia. They believed that the living could pour the deceased person's favorite beverage through a tube in their grave and supply them with nourishment even after death. A big portion of the reasons for living was to have as many children as possible so your spirit could drink for generations. One of the worst things that could happen to a person was to die before having any children. For it meant your soul would thirst forever with only dry dust to drink. Good thing this childless queen will be around forever. That's the deal, right, Red? In some myths, Ereshkigal is said to have been the daughter of Anu, the supreme god of the Mesopotamian pantheon and the personification of the sky. According to one myth, when Anu's tears, which were shed for his separated sister-slash-lover, Kai, then mingled with the salty water of the primeval sea goddess Namu, Ereshkigal was born. This goddess became the queen of the underworld after she was abducted by the dragon Kerr, who was her half-brother. The dragon brought the goddess to the underworld, and although the gods tried to rescue her, they were not able to, as no one, not even the gods, could return from the realm of the dead. 
Her role was similar to that of Hades in Greek mythology. She ruled the underworld, keeping the living from entering the underworld and the dead within it. She was not considered a major goddess, but she was one of the oldest goddesses in Mesopotamia and worshipped more than many other lesser gods and goddesses. Could you tell I have a lisp? (laughs) She was definitely a goddess you didn't want to encounter, but would eventually once you died. She, along with her friends and the underworld itself, gave the people of ancient Mesopotamia something to be fearful of. We all know that fear breeds hate and hate breeds violence. I wonder what humanity was like before we had something to fear. The old girl eventually got a husband, Nergal. He was the Mesopotamian god of death, pestilence, and plague, and the lord of the underworld. He was needy and toxic, red flags everywhere. The two met while Iresh Kagal was ruling as queen and Nergal came to apologize for offending her. He was then seduced by her but still manages to escape the land of no return. Iresh Kagal becomes enraged at the loss of her lover and has him dragged back to her and the two rule the underworld together. The last one for Mesopotamia that we will cover is a demoness named Lamashtu. Now, this gal was one ugly beast. No tea, no shade, just facts. If this description fits you, I apologize, but honey, get a manicure. She is described as having a hairy body, the head of a lioness with teeth and ears of a donkey, long fingers and nails, and the legs and feet of a bird with sword-like talons. (laughs) Donkey! 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 I'm a donkey. I was born outside. Freaking donkey. 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 Donkey's donkeys. Donkey. Donkey. I'll do donkey. <laughs> I'm sorry. When I say the word donkey, Shrek comes in my head. Her hobbies included tormenting pregnant women and those giving birth and would take their children while breastfeeding and devour them. But wait, there's more. She was also a fan of eating men and drinking their blood. Been there, done that. Disturbing sleep, bringing nightmares, killing foliage, infesting rivers and lakes, and being a bringer of disease, sickness, and death. She was so feared that those going into labor would often adorn the room with statues or amulets of her opposer, Pazuzu, a god or demon who was invoked to protect birthing mothers and infants against Lamashtu's malevolence. There was even an incantation that was spoken to protect the mother and baby from Lamashtu's violence. Here's just a little tidbit of it. Great is the daughter of heaven who tortures babies. Her hand is a net, her embrace is death. She is cruel, raging, angry, predatory. Don't forget, These people full-heartedly believed in this and these gods and demons. I assume the birth rate survival was often low if a whole demonic creature had to be thought into existence for them to cope with the horror and pain that they had to bear. Goddesses bless all women everywhere. Ancient Mesopotamia was a wonderful example of the feat that ancient mankind was capable of, as well as the darkness that was already fully bloomed in humanity's minds. I view these gods as 
wonderful works of fiction, like how authors think of these whole worlds of mythical figures and great, with sometimes destructive powers. These ancient people had such vivid and beautifully raw creativity. All the detail in these creatures and the entire realms that they dwelled in, and all passed down through generations by storytelling. In a way, still in our modern world, existing in the same sense through this podcast. Remember, we are still the same people as back then, just with the added bonus of technology and toilets. Coming up, we will travel to a different ancient civilization. Perhaps you've heard of the ancient Egyptians. Yeah, baby. One of my favorites and my first love of history way back when I was just a wee little baby queen. We know quite about them thanks to their advanced writing system and those well-preserved tombs. They were successful for nearly 3,000 years of human history which requires some mad skill in managing people. Of course, there were ups and downs throughout their time and power, but my gods, they had such a rich and imaginative culture filled with incredible feats of magic, art, history, and several dark gods that were worshiped or feared in their daily lives. The most feared of them being the god Set. He was truly the personification of the concept of evil for ancient Egyptians. The god of war, chaos, deserts, disorder, violence, and storms, as well as the brother and murderer of Osiris, described as having four legs, a long snout, and long and pointy ears. What was with the ears of these ancient gods? He had long dog ears, homegirl before had long donkey ears, Was there some weird ear fetish going on in Ancient Man that we don't know about? Hmm, I guess furries have been around longer than I realized. In the beginning, Set ruled the night while Osiris ruled the day. Set's ambition got the better of him and corrupted his nature, leading to wars between the gods for millennia. Set transformed his body into several animalistic creatures often stated as a crocodile or a serpent, to wage death against his brother, especially when his brother brought up his age. Shane. Yes, Josh? The most famous tale of him is the one on how he murdered his brother Osiris and dismembered his body and scattered his remains across the whole of Egypt. Osiris was one of the most important gods of ancient Egypt who played a double role. He was both a god of fertility and the embodiment of death and resurrected king. So it was the literal worst thing you could do to kill him. Set still had his following though, with their focus being on the resurrection promise of Osiris more than the chaos caused by Set. Resurrection was a core value in the culture of ancient Egypt. I mean... Why do you think the pharaohs had these large tombs built for them? Their belief that life continued to exist once their bodies died here on Earth was to the design of their whole world. Just like in some of our modern day religions, they believed once you shut your eyes forever in this world, that you would open them again on the other side, viewing these gods that they worshipped with such sacred passion or fear. Next, we have the great serpent god Apep, who was another god of the underworld. 
Ra, the solar deity, the bringer of light, and Apep, was viewed as the greatest enemy of Ra, the lord of chaos. He was depicted as a giant serpent coming in around 16 yards in length, with a head made from flint, the stone used to start fires. He was born because of the birth of the god Ra. After Ra was pulled from the womb and his umbilical cord cut, the giant serpent sprang forth into the world, bringing with him chaos in all its forms. Apep's movements were thought to cause earthquakes, and his battles with Set may have been meant to explain the origin of thunderstorms. Ra's victory each night was thought to be ensured by the prayers of Egyptian priests and worshippers at temples. The Egyptians practiced a number of rituals and superstitions that were thought to ward off Apep and aid Ra in continuing his journey across the sky. In an annual rite called the Banishing of Chaos, priests would often build an effigy of Apep that was thought to contain all the evil and darkness and burn it to protect everyone from his evil for another year. The Egyptian priest had a detailed guide to fighting him referred to as the Books of Overthrowing Apep. They even described a gradual process of dismemberment and disposal. In addition to stories about Ra's victory, that guide had instructions for making wax models or small drawings of the serpent, which would then be spat on, mutilated, and burned while reciting spells that would kill him. The power of Ra compels you! They also had a slurry of demons in ancient Egyptian mythology. They were known as the demons of Duwa. And if you've ever seen the movie The Mummy, you've seen them and their realm. You know that scene where Imhotep is defeated and the ground opens up and these creatures grab him and pull him under? Well, those are demons and that place is called Dua. Dua was the home of the demons which existed between the Egyptian underworld and the world of the living. Every night, the sun god Ra must travel through Dua and battle demons for 12 hours so that the next day can begin. The dead souls can move on to the afterlife. Now, Duwa was not a god, but a place. It was the home of demons which existed between the Egyptian underworld and the world of the living. Every night, the sun god Ra must travel through there and battle demons for 12 hours, so that the next day can begin and dead souls can move on to the afterlife. I've been battling my demons for a lot longer than 12 hours. The demons who lived there were considered very real and present threats in the day-to-day lives of the ancient Egyptians. Spells, wards, and other such protections were passed around to look after people. The demons haunted water, especially canals and the great river Nile. They also caused sickness and pestilence. Have you started to notice any similarities in these ancient religions to any that you are currently or were taught growing up? It seems like the snake has always been the scapegoat for corruption and rotten things happening to humanity. I'm not necessarily a fan of them or worms. They scare the hell out of me, but what did they do to us? Again, this was before the fable of Adam and Eve was invented, so it's deeper than the snake equals Lucifer, therefore snake equals bad god. My brain is saying... Seems like they just smushed all these gods into one. Less paperwork? 
Are you tired of worshiping all these gods day in and day out? Then do we have a product for you, new condensed deity. You too can have the power of creation in the palm of your hand with this once in a lifetime opportunity. Side effects may include ritualistic sacrifice, an eternity in fire, bruised knees, anal leakage, and death is always assured. Also available in diet. I could spend all day talking to you about the remarkable history of ancient Egypt. Maybe in a future episode we can cover it more. But there is one more important stop I'd like to make in this lesson today. The world of the gods humanity has worshipped has been a bloody one, to say the least. Countless lives have been taken in the name of one god or another, but they weren't always unwilling. In some cultures, it was viewed as an honor to give one's life to the gods. Blood was sacred to them, and it must be spilled. We will now travel across the world and let's see what we can uncover from the ancient, beautiful, and bloody Mayan civilization. They practice a belief called animism, which is the belief that objects, places, and creatures all possess a distinct spiritual essence or soul. For the Mayan people, all things, animals, plants, rocks, rivers, weather systems, human handiwork, and perhaps even words, were alive. If that's the case, I'd like to formally apologize to the ocean for peeing in you. My bad. The Maya were centered in one geographical block covering all of the Yucatan Peninsula and modern-day Guatemala. Hola, chicos. Yamame. I'm sure we've all heard of sacrificing to a god. Often, it's in our labor, food, drink, or even animals. But for the Mayans, blood was the source of nourishment for their gods. And honey, were they thirsty. The spilled blood of a human being was the ultimate sacrifice, and oftentimes an honor to do so. They had three types of human sacrifices, arrow, heart removal, and decapitation. You know, they tried that by removing my heart once, but joke was on them. I haven't been a virgin since the first man crawled out of the mud, but boy, could they sure run fast through that jungle. During an arrow sacrifice, the victim's body would be stripped naked and painted blue. A pointed hat was placed on their head and a white symbol painted over their heart to be later used as a target. They were then tied to a stake and the tribe would dance around them while blood was taken from different parts of their bodies and painted on an idol of a certain god that they were being sacrificed to. Finally, the dancers would take up their bows and fire arrows at the victim until they died. That was honestly one of the better ways to be sacrificed, if you ask me. The other option could be having your still-beating heart ripped from your chest, which was viewed as the ultimate religious expression. If you can't find a still-beating heart for your sacrifice, store-bought is fine. For that, the victim was led up the stairs of a great pyramid and laid upon a stone slab looking at the sky. Then a tool made from the tooth of a jaguar or stinger of a stingray was used to extract blood from the mouth, nose, ear, or genitals. A dagger was then plunged into the chest and their ribs were spread apart by hand. The heart was then held up high for everyone to see and eventually burned along with the body. Occasionally, the body would be tossed down the steps of the Great Pyramid and skinned. A priest would then wear the human leather and dance around to symbolize rebirth, and sometimes they would eat the guy. 
The Mayans used tools of teeth and stone because metals were not readily available to them. Imagine having surgery, wide awake, and instead of a scalpel, they're using a kind of sharp rock. It was not a quick process. When I was reading about this, I thought, oh my, how absolutely horrible. But then I quickly remembered that this was an ancient civilization doing it to worship their chosen gods. Public executions were still performed until 1868 as a form of entertainment for no other purpose than to keep the masses fearful and give them something to do. Who are the bloodthirsty savages now? Hmm? Now, what kind of gods do you think would demand such brutality? Well, honey, take your pick. Their dark gods dwelled in a place known as Chibalba, and it was ruled by the Mayan god of death and earthquakes, Kaizen, who was likely only one aspect of a malevolent underworld deity who manifested himself under several names, like my dating profiles. Kaizen is often depicted on pottery and illustrated as a dancing skeleton holding a smoking cigarette. He is also known for his death collar, which is made of disembodied eyes dangling by their nerves. You know, he gave that to me when we dated centuries ago, but I pawned it when I found him cheating with Bigfoot. His loss. They weren't even real eyes. I only got like eight drachmas. The myth is that when a person dies, Kaizen burns the soul on his mouth and his anus. When the soul complains, he douses the soul in cold water, causing the soul to complain more, leading to more burning until it finally disintegrates into nothing. FYI, if this happens to you, the safe word is anti-disestablishmentarianism. You're welcome. The next one I was somewhat surprised to hear even existed. When I think of suicide, I didn't think about it happening in ancient mankind. I assumed they were so occupied with survival that it wouldn't even really cross their minds. Cue the goddess Ichtab, who is the Mayan rope goddess of suicide, especially those who hung themselves. It is possible that before the Spanish influence, she could have just been a goddess of hunting. I just found it so bizarre that there is a whole goddess just for suicide. Today, in the Yucatan Peninsula, it has a suicide rate more than twice that of Mexico. If you or someone you know is suffering from thoughts of suicide or self-harm, please seek help. I think about all those times I myself wish to do something irreversible and all of the good memories and people I have met since I have had those thoughts and how I'd never know my godson or all the wonderful memories and people that I've been able to help since then. That makes me more optimistic about the good that there still is in my future. If we can find help and keep going, our story has a chance to change. But if we aren't here, our book is closed. Never let today's unhappiness take away from your chance for happiness tomorrow. If you or someone you know is suffering from thoughts of suicide or self-harm, you can text H-O-M-E to 741-741 or call 988 to connect with a crisis counselor. You are more powerful than those thoughts. Know that. 
I hope you found today's lesson as fascinating as I have and picked up a positive lesson somewhere in this bloody journey of the first rotten gods that early mankind has worshipped throughout our history. It appears that life has always been hard, but our spirits are stronger than anything else. I truly appreciate each and every one of you for listening to my podcast. You, my darlings, are a source of light to this introverted queen, and I love you for it. Bye-bye, you gorgeous creatures, and thank you for being a friend. Rest in peace, Leslie Jordan. If you enjoy my podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at It's Rotten to the Core or leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.